Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode, Adriel. Hey, Anne. What a week to have a pop culture-focused podcast, Julie. Oh my God. What a week to be a fan of pop culture. Like I am so, so grateful. This was probably the busiest pop culture week we've had in a very long time. I feel like the last two weeks were just straight chaos in the best way possible. I am so, so grateful for that. I know. And last week we ended up doing like a midweek recap basically because the John Mulaney stuff was happening and Jennifer Lawrence pregnancy and Britney and that kind of held us over. But then on Friday, it's JLo and Ben in Venice, which that could be an episode in and of itself. The VMAs, the Met Gala, Britney engaged. It's just like, this is the kind of stuff when we were in the height of quarantine and it was really Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler's divorce, like keeping us going. This to me was the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, completely. I mean, forget about the height of quarantine. If you would have told me four weeks ago that we'd be able to do a episode on Monday as regular, then a midweek recap, and then have enough for the following Monday slash Tuesday episode. I don't know if I would have believed you. Yeah, this is the shit we prayed on. (laughs) We're so lucky. I know. And also the other thing is I feel like, especially for the last week and a half or so, the city of New York has kind of been a character in all of this. It's really like been the backdrop for these events. And that brings with it a whole other energy. Oh, it's so special because there's been so much that's been going on. I mean, you have New York Fashion Week, you have the US Open with a million and one celebrity spottings. You had the VMAs in Brooklyn, like obviously the Met Gala. There's just been so much going on. And for New York to be the backdrop of all of that, and just like as usual, the epicenter of culture, it's unbelievable. It felt special. It did. I so agree. I really do. Okay. You ready? I'm so ready. (laughs) So we're going to start out with the Met Gala. As you guys know, the theme was in America, a lexicon of fashion. And I think the best way that I can start this out is by saying that theme was definitely loosely interpreted and portrayed by most of the attendees. Do you think that's fair to say? I do think it's fair to say. There's been a lot of discussion about it in terms of feeling like people 
took the theme and because it was kind of open to interpretation in a lot of ways, they, I I don't want to say did the bare minimum, but were kind of able to wear outfits and dresses that suited them rather than the theme. I don't think that it was people using it as an excuse. I just think the theme wasn't fully understood. Right. I think it was probably a combination of the two, honestly. Right. Like I remember in 2019, obviously, with when it was camp, had the phrase understood the assignment been used widely back then, it would have been so applicable to so many different people. Like even looking back on those looks, it was like, oh my God, they understood the assignment. This year, it's like they kind of understood the assignment in certain ways, but then again, what was the assignment? Right. That That's really what it was. It was like the assignment maybe wasn't explained clearly enough. Like I have to say, and I don't know if this is a hot take, I think the person who best understood the assignment was Sierra. Well, that kind of brings us into the conversation of like, you choose between, are you judging the looks based on who you think stuck most on theme and really got it and like played it up? Or are you doing it based on just, do you like this as a fashion statement? And the two sometimes don't coexist and that's okay. Right. And I think that this year, I mean, at least for me, it was much easier to judge it based on like, do I like this outfit? Like, is this the piece I want to see them in? Was this the red carpet look? That's my favorite. And can it be twisted into fitting the theme rather than like the obvious, oh my God, this is so unbelievably on theme. Right. And that's why I think just in our effort to kind of be clear and like our personal assignment, I think when we talk about it, let's make that distinction because there's a lot where I loved it and I didn't really care whether or not it was on theme, but important just to mention as we go through these. Yeah, absolutely. So as you guys know, the four co-chairs were Amanda Gorman, Billie Eilish, Timothy Chalamet, and Naomi Osaka. Anna was in this beautiful, I thought, Oscar de la Renta floral gown. I always love watching her when she walks up and when you're watching like E! News red carpet coverage, because no matter what she's wearing, it's not even so much about her outfit. It's just about kind of the way that the air leaves the room for a moment as she's walking up the stairs. Yeah, that's absolutely it. That's the best way to describe it. So the way that we kind of did this is we put together our personal best dress and favorites, and then also just some notable looks that are definitely worthy of talking about. I have a feeling we will have a lengthy discussion on the Kim Kardashian of it all. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I'm ready for that discussion. I also want to say before we even start, how good does it feel just to have these things to talk about? Because I feel like the absence of the Met last year, it was a big deal in terms of you know pop culture. It's a huge night of the year. And so I'm just so happy we even have them to talk about. Something I truly love so much about the Met, and I mean, there's a million things, but I feel like when we get into the conversation about awards shows, the one thing that we're like, okay, here's where we have our base of the discussion. Here's where we have the most to say. It's the red carpet. And then we kind of have to force a conversation about the actual event. With the Met Gala, you don't have to do that. It's just red carpet. You don't have to fake anything. Right. Because you you get nothing. You really know nothing else other than, you know, the few stories. You get some insight from social media, but it's not this broadcast, which you're right. There's something actually really kind of liberating about that. And I don't know if this is an opinion that a lot of people have, but there's something I absolutely love about the fact that you really don't know much of what goes on inside because it's one of those things where it's like the curtain's never going to be pulled back. Like whatever your view of the Met Gala is that takes place inside and what it's like for celebrities of that caliber to be inside in one place, all mingling, all at a gala. Like you don't ever have to have that illusion ruined because no one's posting things and no one is 
showing you a live streamed video of what's going on inside. Like whatever you have in your head of what that event is, is what that event is. Right. And the other thing is that they don't often stay there for that long. I feel like you saw pictures of Rihanna and a bunch of other people that came back just a few hours after it started because the real kind of like moment of the night, I think typically goes on at the after parties. I mean, listen, Zoe and Channing Tatum were in and out. I have not stopped thinking about that photo of them leaving since we saw it last night. It had the exact same energy. You know what it was? When you saw your friend leaving like a frat with a guy and you were like, oh my God, epic. Right. Or like you got a Snapchat and you're like, holy shit, I cannot believe she went home with the ZBT kid. Yes, that's exactly what it is, except it's Channing Tatum and Zoe Kravitz. It's another level. It's like literally, I they walked out of the Mecca and I was like, you guys are going back to your hotel room before an after party. And that is the greatest energy you could bring to this night. I recognize that a lot of people thought that the tailoring on his suit wasn't great, which it probably wasn't the best. But the way that his handsomeness has elevated for me since the joining with Zoe they should do studies on it really, because it's not that I never thought he was attractive. Of course I did. But I am telling you, seeing him standing next to her, it's another level. It elevates him. I really truly believe that it elevates him almost to a different version of himself. <laughs> I so agree. Also, a lot of people had a lot of things to say about him just wearing a black tux. And I will say, yeah, it's unbelievably boring. Is there anything more American that you can think of than a man in a black tux? I know. And also, I think that I just associate him with like a heightened sense of casualness always. Like if I, if you'd ask me what, what does he wear around the house, I would say like jeans, Tim's and no shirt. That's just the way that I envision Channing Tatum, whether that's accurate or not. And so I did like to see him in this because for me, it felt out of character. I thought he looked just unbelievable. And my advice for everybody, like if you're a man, shave your head. I, what's stopping you? You say that? And then no, I say it and I mean it. You think, or are you just saying that because of Justin and Channing? Okay. I Those are two <laughs> pretty prime examples. I just think if you're a man, shave your head. What's stopping you? A really good test of that would be Harry Styles. No, no, no. Don't, don't, not him, not him. <laughs> I'm not saying like, <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Let's start out by saying I fully am very happy to acknowledge potentially a deepened sense of like fashion naivety that we both may have in the sense of I'm okay with just not getting it and not liking something because I don't have a heightened enough fashion sense to get it. So I'd like to preface this entire conversation with that. And I don't want to pretend for one second that I do. No, not at all. I mean, you and I both wrote down our lists separately and we put them together. They were pretty similar. And you know, top of both of our lists were Kendall. She was in this gorgeous Givenchy. It was inspired by Audrey Hepburn as Eliza Doolittle and My Fair Lady. And this is a perfect example where I think objectively people would think she looked beautiful. However, a lot of people felt a little bit bored by it, felt that this is kind of her MO, which I get it. It was. It wasn't anything super different than what we've seen before, but I guess I just so deeply internalized the motto of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's very similar to the way that Jennifer Aniston approaches a red carpet. And I guess if you're seeking something really new, you would be bored by this. For me, I was just blown away. I can't I can't validate any Kendall slander because I thought everything about it was perfect. It was on theme. Her channeling Audrey Hepburn, who also often wore Givenchy, like Kendall looked unbelievable. I thought it was easily the best look of the night, like my top, top, top. And I cannot validate anybody who thought otherwise. I know. I, I understand what they're coming from in terms of the sense of like, okay, we've seen this before, but I could see it 10 times over and not be mad. 
Yeah, I'm to give it to me every single time. I don't care. Emma Chamberlain in Louis Vuitton was also another one. She was one of the first on the carpet because I think she was also doing some corresponding, but she I thought looked phenomenal. She looked incredible and everyone was pretty much in agreement on that. I I didn't see anybody who had a negative thing to say about that look. And she is somebody who I honestly believe has such an unbelievable amount of influence over fashion that maybe she doesn't get the credit for from audiences that are a little bit older, a little bit naive to what she puts out. But if you look on TikTok and Twitter, when Emma Chamberlain puts out an outfit that she likes, every single person, especially her fandom, which is so big, is like, that's the look for this season. Like, that's what I want to be wearing. So it is so undeniable for her to have a place at the Met Gala because she is so unbelievably deserving of it because her influence on on fashion is just undeniable. The Emma Chamberlain conversation as it applies to fashion is really interesting because obviously she started out on social media and her rise was meteoric. And I think, you know, she's unbelievably famous, successful, all of those things. But if you compare her just for a second to somebody like Addison, who also started on TikTok and clearly Addison is not as far along in her career as Emma is. But I don't think that Addison's jump to fashion has been nearly as seamless as Emma's was in the sense where people can understand that she's trying to elevate her style. But even if you love her like we do as a a personality and you think that she may have a career in acting, nobody is giving her that same level of respect in the fashion world, at least yet. Whereas Emma, she goes from YouTube to being, you know, an ambassador for Louis Vuitton and nobody even blinks twice because it seems so fitting. Whereas like, I'm going to compare it to Charlie D'Amelio for a second obviously super fucking famous, so successful. But when she made her way into Louis Vuitton, I don't think she was met with the same level of immediate respect as Emma was when she did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, there's a whole conversation on top of that to be had about the newcomers at the Met Gala and who was, quote, deserving to be there and who wasn't. People had so many opinions on it. And I think going into the night, there was this expectation that people had in their minds that it was going to be overrun by like new faces and people who weren't quote deserving of being there. And I didn't get that sense at all. It didn't feel like the TikTok show. It didn't feel like the influencer show. It felt like the Met Gala. It felt like here is this unbelievable gathering of the top caliber A-list celebrities that you have who have made waves in fashion and who are also staples at the Met Gala. And you had them ushering in a new generation of people who will then make those statements in the future. So the way I feel about somebody like Addison or Dixie being there is like, no, I don't believe at this point in their careers, their fashion is elevated to the point where you look at them and you're like, oh my God, of course, it's a no brainer that they're going to be there. But that doesn't mean that one day they won't be. That doesn't mean that one day they're not going to reach that level of stardom where it's a no brainer that they're going to be at the Met Gala and you're not even going to blink twice about it. And I think one of the important things about this Met Gala was being able to say like, wow, every single year we have people that we look at and we're like, what are they doing here? This year you happen to have a couple more of them, but all of those people that you've looked at in the past and said like, what are they doing here? Namely Kim Kardashian. You then a couple years later, can't imagine a Met Gala without them. So I don't, I believe that this ushering in of new talent and new faces in the world of fashion only benefits like the future of the Met Gala. You grow with the Met Gala. Eventually all of these people that you're saying like, oh, they're just influencers or they're just just TikTokers are going to start to make major waves in fashion. And you're going to be able to say, wow, I remember their first Met Gala. 
Zana Roberts Rossi was talking about that on Eli from the Red Carpet. She said, whether or not you like it, they are influential. The amount of followers, and again, life isn't about followers, but in terms of influence across the board with fame type things, there is a direct correlation. And I would say that so many of these quote social media stars are actually far more influential with their followers and with their fans than your typical mainstream celebrity because the connection to the audience is so different. And how that translates to fashion is going to be very interesting. And yeah, Addison's a really good example of somebody who's not there yet in the fashion world, but potentially may work her way or or may never. That's that's also okay. But yes, the watching the reaction from the public to like, what are they doing here to, oh yeah, this makes sense. That in general, across the board, no matter who the person is, is fun to watch. Yeah. And I think no matter what your opinion going into the Met Gala was, I think you had to leave with the takeaway of like, okay, this wasn't the spectacle I created in my mind in terms of it being all just new people and new faces because you had Met Gala royalty there who have been there for years and years and every single year make a huge splash and is just the star of the show every single year. And it's not like their presence was diminished by anybody new being there. It was just like this perfect integration of the different levels of Hollywood and the different people that especially this year and with TikTok and with the pandemic that you are just learning and getting used to and watching them branch off. Because again, the people who are there, it's not just that they're TikTokers. If you call Addison a TikToker, like you're objectively wrong. If you call Dixie a TikToker, you're objectively wrong. They've put themselves into such a another caliber by branching off the app and doing things in a way that they're trying to cement their place in Hollywood. So it's not just like, oh my God, why are these TikTokers here? It's like, yeah, maybe they started on TikTok, but they're doing it in a way and they're working of their way of being deserving of being there is separate and apart from the app. Yeah, completely, completely. And also this is kind of a a separate conversation, but when you think of like the biggest example of a staple, which would be JLo. You know, when you see a year ago, she is the one that's FaceTiming Charlie D'Amelio because she wants to work together. So then you kind of have this moment of like, if you're a hater, quote, it's like, wait, how can I not want this person standing next to the staples when the staples are the people that are wanting to help propel their careers? You know, it, it doesn't really work out like that. Right, exactly. Normani and that mustard yellow Valentino, I thought it was one of my tops. To die for, to die for. Kate Hudson and the light pink Michael Kors, fuck me up. How happy are you that we get to talk about Kate Hudson? It's one of my greatest joys. It's not that often when she's in the news cycle. Newly engaged Kate Hudson, may I add. I know, you didn't even add that to the outline. I know, because honestly, I had no idea they weren't already married. I know, because I think all, you know they've known each other forever. They grew up together, and so I think people forget that. Yeah. Okay, Justin and Haley, he was in Drew House, she was in Saint Laurent. My stance on it, we didn't even really talk about it. Obviously, she looked fucking incredible. Was the dress a little bit boring? Yeah, but that's why I was saying earlier, I don't necessarily care about boring. I can celebrate somebody looking great. I wasn't into his look. They looked so hot together. I can't lie and say I was into it though. Oh, interesting. I his I, I thought he looked great. I mean, again, it's kind of the magnitude of them being together that's so overwhelming for me because I think they just bring out the best in each other, especially from like a fashion perspective. But I I did think that his ability to wear Drew House and kind of design something himself for him to wear to this was such a moment for him. And I was so happy for him to be able to have that. Totally, totally. I just, I don't know. Maybe it was something about the sh- combination with the shoes. But then again, I'm willing to accept maybe I just don't get it and that's okay. 
the shoes I can understand. The shoes I can take away, but I thought the rest of the outfit he looked amazing in. Something we wanted to talk about in terms of men was Jack Harlow in that Tommy Hilfiger suit. And there was this quote from a Vanity Fair article that we wanted to read. It says, the connection between Harlow and Hilfiger is deeper than a shared sensibility. It turns out that Harlow's grandfather used to live down the street from the designer. Quote, my whole life, my grandpa told me that he and Tommy grew up in the same street and that their families knew of each other. Harlow explained, the first time Tommy and I got on the phone, I told him my grandpa's last name and he immediately remembered and said that he could see my grandpa's house from his front porch. Something about this connection made this whole partnership feel more organic and special. <laughs> I love when we get a little anecdote like that that you would have never known about. When I first when I first saw the tweet about it, because Vanity Fair tweeted it, and then like obviously you close on the article and you get the full backstory. But like the headline was like Tommy Hilfiger and Jack Harlow's grandpa lived on the same street. I was like, what Central Park South? <laughs> but then it was like growing up in Elmira, New York. <laughs> we know that apartment like the back of our hand. Every time I pass it, I send Isabel a picture of the plaza. I'm like, Tommy, are you home? <laughs> also, Kiki Palmer, she was one of the co-hosts of Vogue's live stream. She was in this Sergio Robinson gown. I'm sure you saw it cut out in the back, inspired by Diana Ross. She also is in, I think, probably my, I would say, top six of the night. Yeah, she looked insane. And I absolutely die for the idea of her look being inspired by Diana Ross and Tracy Ellis Ross being there at the same time. Like it was such a beautiful moment, I felt like. There were a lot of things like that when if you took a step back and like understood the context of some people walking at the same time or whatever it was, it made it a little bit more special. Yeah, absolutely. Just to list out some others, Zoe Deutsch in that purple Versace, Carly Kloss, Carolina Herrera, Yara Shahidi, and that Christian Dior holy fuck, inspired by Josephine Baker. I thought to me, that was, oh, that was really something. Yeah. That was an unbelievable look of the night. Also, anybody who was in red, I felt like killed it. You had Emrata, Jen Hudson. Like it was just color of the night. I felt like. Megan Fox, obviously she looked insane. I just can't get behind the hair. And I don't know if that's me not getting it, but I, I would have loved like a slick back ponytail. Yeah, I would have too. I mean, listen, I can't even take anything away from Megan Fox because the past two nights between the VMAs and the Met Gala, she so killed it. So if I didn't love her hair one of the nights, I can just take that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not being picky here. But if I had to choose, the hair would have been the accessory that I liked the least. Right. So Addison was in Tom Ford for Gucci, also this beautiful red dress. And she looked obviously spectacular, but when I saw it, we both thought that it looked really familiar. And upon looking into it, it's the same dress or very similar to what Courtney wore to the 2019 Christmas Eve party when she hosted it at her house, which I have to imagine was an oversight. Oh, okay. So my question was honestly, because I then saw this everywhere. Like it was, uh, we, I think we figured it out kind of early, but it was all over Twitter, all over Instagram. And it's the same dress, like no, no question about that. Just Addison's had sleeves on it. My question was like, is this just a, a new dress or did she call up Courtney and was like, listen, I really need a Met Gala look. No, no way. I think that if, especially given the way that people credit the Kardashians so much for, or not so much, but give Courtney a little bit of credit for like helping her rise. I don't think that she would have necessarily done this knowingly. I could be wrong. It is. I mean, listen though. There's absolutely no way that Addison didn't send Courtney a picture of her look and Courtney responded, I wore that to the Christmas party. So she at least would have known. Like it wasn't like a total surprise and a total oversight, I don't think. It could right, have maybe. been. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I, I mean, 
I would have loved like similar to Megan Fox, like a slicked back ponytail. I think the wig was the only thing I wasn't fully into, but again, it's like you almost have to look for criticism here because everybody looked so beautiful, even if you weren't into the actual, like every detail. Yeah. I so, so agree. Lil Nas X also in those three different Versace outfits, it was different, but I would compare it. And this is a huge compliment to Lady Gaga's Brandon Maxwell display in 2019 of like, she's going to take those stairs and make it a performance. I feel like that is kind of what he did. Yeah, it totally is. I mean, a lot of people were saying that they were kind of underwhelmed by him doing that just because Lady Gaga had done it the previous Mac Gala. I just think that when Lil Nas does something, it is so performative because that is who he is, like obviously in the absolute best way possible. And that's also who Lady Gaga is. So I think that on some level, it was an homage to the fact that she had done that previously. And also he just completely made it his own. So I was all on board for that. Yeah, I was on board too. Also, listen, was Rihanna's look one of my favorites? No, but there is something about her and ASAP walking that carpet together. It just feels so right. Yeah, I personally, I mean, I loved Rihanna. I thought what she wore was insane. She just, she is the Met Like when I think of the Met I think of Rihanna. And when she wasn't there in 2019, it was probably the most noticeable absence the Met Gala's had. And even this year when there were people missing, I mean, Blake Lively wasn't there, Zendaya wasn't there. Those were huge absences. I don't think anything compares to a Met Gala without Rihanna. Yeah, to be honest with you, in terms of like the Kylie absence thing, which I'm sure we'll get into, when she initially announced it, I thought it was a really big deal. But then I realized quickly it was way more of an anticipatory thing because once the carpet started going, I wasn't even thinking about her not being there. And I really do think even though she always makes a statement, there are other people that I associate so much more closely with fashion. And like, hypothetically speaking, if I was choosing between Kylie not being there and Rihanna, 10 out of 10 times I'm choosing I'd rather Kylie not be there because I feel like Rihanna, when it comes to the Met Gala, just means something different. No, I completely agree. I mean, when Kylie first announced that she wasn't going and she had posted that Instagram story and there were rumors already kind of flying around in the days leading up to it, I was kind of like, I don't want to do a Met Gala without Kylie. Like I love when Kylie and Kendall walk the carpet together. I love it being like such a big family affair. But her absence wasn't felt in the way that I predicted it to be. Like, I think that had I been anticipating a pregnancy reveal at the Met Gala, I would have been like, oh my God. Of course she didn't show up. Like the one time we're going to get confirmation on her pregnancy would have been so epic and she's not even there. I would have been far more disappointed than the fact that like she announced it a couple of days ago. We got a couple of looks from her from New York Fashion Week, which we never expected to get. We've never seen kind of Kylie pregnant walking out on the town in full glam, really doing it. So that was such a special thing to get. Her absence at the Met Gala in conjunction with those things didn't make me feel like it was such a loss. Yeah. I think that if there wasn't that video and we hadn't seen some of the other New York Fashion Week pregnant looks, it would have been a bigger deal. I definitely think so. You know, it's interesting because when she initially announced the pregnancy, which had been speculated and we all kind of knew it, but once she really announced it, everybody was just so excited that she made it public and we were all thinking about Stormy being a big sister. And I feel like it took a day or a couple of hours, depending on who you are, to have the secondary realization of like, holy shit, we're going to see pregnant Kylie in action because you realize we never got that with Stormy. So you don't even have an idea as to her pregnancy fashions. Whereas with Kim or with so many other people, you have those looks, you know, ingrained in your mind. We never got it with Kylie. We got one photo of her in a big black t-shirt. So this time it was like, this is basically the first time the world has ever seen it. Right. Exactly. I guess that brings us into Kim and Balenciaga. 
I'm ready. I'm ready for the discussion. I think I am too. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So I think something important to note is that when Kim arrived in New York for the Met Gala, she was also in a similar Balenciaga look, the black face mask, the whole nine. This is also not too dissimilar to what she wore to a few of Kanye's Donda listening parties. So we have kind of seen her teasing this. We also saw her recently in a similar look at Jeff Lethem's birthday party at Nobu Malibu. So did it come as the biggest shock No, I don't know if any of us necessarily understood that all of these were a lead up to the Met. That is something that maybe we realized after the fact, but it wasn't as shocking as it maybe would have been if there weren't kind of all these subtle lead ups. That being said, I just still did not vibe with this. Here's my thought on it. When I first saw it, it's impossible to have the look and examine it without having the conversation of everything that goes into Donda and Kanye, the album cover being black, Kanye unfollowing Kim and then refollowing her once her Instagram icon was changed to black, Kanye only following people on Instagram with black icons, the looks for Donda, Kanye having the face covering, like all of that can't be left out of the conversation. So my initial thought when I first saw Kim was like, this is your Met Gala, you're here, why are you then doing this whole thing that's kind of part of what your husband or ex-husband's ordeal is. Like, why are you not doing something for yourself? So that was my initial thought. I think that once I read some of the things online and the discussion, I saw TikToks and people talking about it and what people had to say, my understanding of it kind of flip-flopped from like, what is this Kanye-esque look to like, wow, you're really doing this for yourself and you're making a statement. I don't necessarily have to like this outfit or agree with the fact that you've just completely covered yourself in order to appreciate some of the rumors and the discussion and the conversation points that take place around this outfit. Because whether you liked it or not, that was the most discussed look of the night by far. I mean, everybody had something to say about this. It was all over the place. And that's always what Kim is going for. That is Kim's entire life. That's Kim's entire career. So when you examine it from the point of view of like, how does this fit into Kim? And how does Kim fit into the conversation about just American fashion, that is when it kind of starts to go into a line for me and make a little bit more sense. Right. Exactly. I actually think 
I want to read the post from the Kardashian colloquium and we can get into some of those other conversations, but top level, because I don't know if I said this before, it wasn't Connie that she was with, which I'm sure you all know by now, but for the first at least 10 minutes, everybody thought so. It ended up actually being the creative director of Balenciaga. So not him, false alarm. Although I would say for at least the first 10 minutes, everybody thought it was. I texted you, there's no way they're not back together if they're doing this together and they're at the Met Gala. When it wasn't him, I was like, okay, still still in the clear. <laughs> right. So the Kardashian Cloakian post read, she looks like a mannequin, a distinctly Kim mannequin. This, in a way, has been her whole career. Also, I find myself considering the blackness of it, which allows her to be projected upon and demands decoding, which has also been her career. Finally, thinking about the dead Hollywood ex-inspired silhouette theory. You know a celebrity is an icon when you can recognize their outline without seeing their full embodiment. There's a lot of BDSM, Kanye, and the Matrix in the mix too. Maybe even a shadow self? More importantly, it's sometimes debated by color theorists whether black is even a color. Black, the color, results from the absence of complete absorption or visible light. Kim has been both a black hole and a reflection of the culture for a long time now. This is going to be one of the most triggering and talked about looks from the night. For Kimye, for an American theme, it's perfect. Which was very similar to a lot of other takes that we saw. We'll put the links to a few other TikToks in the description. There was a woman, Lexi J, also talking about it, basically saying, you know, Kim being so recognizable by nothing other than her body and that being a statement on her impact on American fashion is another thing that she was going for. So it's kind of like the way that I view it is, okay, once I have some of those more I guess you could call them intelligent or knowledgeable understandings. I get it a little more. It still doesn't change how much I like it. That discussion about it being her silhouette and how Kim is just recognizable based on nothing other than the shape of her body and how Kim can walk into a room covered head to toe black, not an inch of anything showing. And you know that that is Kim Kardashian, I think is such a special statement on her. It again I would have liked to see her in something different. I would have liked to see her face, (laughs) like first and foremost. But to be Kim and be able to make that statement is so important to who she is and who she is in the world of fashion that I can understand it in terms of interpretation, not really for me in terms of just like a red carpet look. Yeah. I also, you know, think a lot about what we were saying where she's kind of been building this up. And so we didn't realize at the time, but all of these looks kind of were getting us to this major point. And on one hand, I get that, yet I also wonder if this would have been more well-received, not that it really matters how it was received, but if it would have been more well-received if there was more of a shock factor, whereas it didn't really feel shocking necessarily because she's done such similar things. Right. I think it had, had it been a statement on its own, completely separate and apart from anything Kanye had done recently, anything about his album I would have been able to appreciate it a little more. Again, I think I still would have had that same thought of like, okay, it's not what I want to see you in, but I can understand the statement that you're making. Having it, again, like you said, combined with kind of seeing it in the past and with the Kanye of it all just made me feel a little like it it lost its impact for me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me because everybody else seemed to kind of have that reaction as if they had never seen it before. And this was completely shocking and surprising to see her on the red carpet, especially at the Met Gala like this. I I can't say I was overly surprised, but I will say that no matter what you thought of it, it accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish. Right. I guess technically she understood the assignment. I guess I just (laughs) didn't really understand her understanding of the assignment, but it doesn't really matter what the fuck I think. 
Right. The yeah. statement of Kim's silhouette is so iconic in and of itself that it represents American fashion is an unbelievable statement on its own. And when you dissect that and you really understand it, that is such an impactful conversation to have in terms of Kim and fashion and the Met Gala and all of that. As an outfit, when you're looking at it objectively of just like, what are my eyes seeing you walk across this red carpet in, it has a completely different impact on me. Yeah. And you know what? You're right. As far as my view on it, like the Kanye association just naturally takes away from it, in my opinion. And I'm sure that that has to do with just in general, how I don't really uh, typically gravitate towards Kanye's style of things. And I so appreciate Kim more when she stands on her own from that. But I guess that is part of the deal. And it doesn't matter. We're having the conversation. So she won. That's that's the goal. She always wins. She always wins. I mean, <laughs> I fucking love when she wins. I don't ever want her to not win. I uh, obviously same. Yeah. So on Monday, you guys know, Kylie makes that Insta story, this gray background, white writing that just says, I'm so sad I couldn't make it this year. I can't wait to see all the looks. And Dumois had posted about this a few hours earlier, and there were definitely rumblings um, just in terms of things that we had heard. And apparently it really was a last minute decision for reasons that we don't know. You know, once Nicki Minaj's tweets came out and she kind of basically said that the Met was a vaccinated event, people started to wonder, well, is that why Kylie's not there? Because she's not vaccinated. The reason that that theory isn't necessarily one I subscribe to is because it did feel more last minute. And you would assume that if it was a fully vaccinated event, they would have known about that for a while now. So that is why it feels to me like that's not the reason. I don't know. That's That was the thought that I had. I mean, listen, it totally could have been. It totally could have been. And maybe Kylie either thought that she'd be able to get an exception if she tested negative or any number of reasons related to it or not related to it. But it it did definitely feel last minute. I will say that it didn't feel like at all like a planned thing that she had in advance and she was just going to announce it the night before. Because obviously we knew she was in New York. We knew that it was her intended goal to go to the Met Gala. So what happened in those 24 to 48 hours is a little bit confusing. And I don't know if we'll ever have clarity on that, but it obviously sparked a very large conversation about whether or not she's vaccinated. Yeah. It's pretty on brand though, in terms of like, hypothetically speaking, let's say this really was a total last minute decision out of any of them. It's the least surprising. Whereas like, if this were to have been Kim, even all same circumstances, she was pregnant. It could have been, listen, who knows what she's going through. It could be a medical thing. We have no idea. But the reaction to Kim doing this would have been far more of a public, like palpable shock. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's Kylie's MO. There's a million and one events that we have spoken about from the tiniest little things to big events where it's been like, I wonder if Kylie will show up to it. Oh, Kylie doesn't show up to anything. The Met Gala to me seems like the exception for that because it is the biggest night in fashion and it is probably the biggest night in pop culture of the year, especially for Kylie, again, who is not going to be at the Oscars or the Emmys or anything like that, maybe at the Grammys as Travis's date. But again, this would have been her own thing. So to me, I was more surprised that this is the event that she wasn't there for. Again, we don't know the reasons. It could have been a medical thing. There could have been any number of things that like speculating takes sensitivity away from. But just in terms of her pattern of behavior and the things she goes to, this is kind of, for me, the Met Gala is the exception to the rule of what Kylie will and won't show up to and what I expect her to. So for her to not be there, even if it was on brand, it was still surprising. Yeah, it was surprising. I don't know. I just, 
I mean, the vaccination thing could be a thing. The only thinking, and I think I said this to you earlier before we started recording, is like, if you want to go down that line of thinking, hypothetically speaking, it could be she never had a plan on going. She knew that it was the vaccination was going to be an issue. However, it was never announced that it could seem like more of a last minute thing to take away speculation from the vaccination. That's not my stance. I don't think that's the case. But if I'm really trying to play all sides here, that's another argument. I love a conspiracy theory. We never are the ones to really ignite them. I feel like we more discussed them. I guess that was me just igniting one, but I, I, it's not one that I subscribe to, but I was just trying to think about the full picture. Yeah, me too. I mean, there's so much to talk about from this night, but like, what else do we want to say? I mean, there's, we have a whole list of all of our favorite looks, moments, whatever. It was, it was just fun. It was fun to happen. I'm just so glad that we had, that happened and we have a podcast and we can talk about it. Me too. I know that the response to it, again, through TikTok and what I've seen on Twitter was just like a lot of people being really disappointed by the looks. For me, I, I completely understand it. And there were so many where I was like, this is, this is just a red carpet look. This isn't Met Gala. This isn't Met Gala Realty. This isn't something that's going to be remembered for years and years. I will just say that the idea of this night being back in general and it like quote the earth healing and the Met Gala being back and all of these people being in one place was so special in and of itself for me that I didn't necessarily need those looks to follow through to the extent that other people did. Yeah. And, you know, of course, it all has to be looked at under the giant context of like, is this entire thing a little bit ridiculous? Yes, of course it is. does go, you know, it is for a good cause, but just the drama of it all and the self-importance of everybody there is astronomical. And so if you want to look at it like and get super cynical, you definitely can. But it's just more personally for me, it's more fun not to because I just view it as entertainment. I view it no different than watching, you know, a Netflix show for an hour and a half or however long the red carpet coverage is. I feel the same way. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. JLo and Ben Affleck making their first red carpet appearance as a couple at the Venice Film Festival on Friday for his movie, The Last Duel. Her in that white gown, him in that black tux. I... I'm almost upset that we're recording this on Tuesday because I don't know if I could ever recreate the way that I felt on Friday, although I do still think I'm processing it. It was fucking everything. Like, I'm going to remove any ounce of feeling self-conscious about sounding dramatic on a podcast, and I'm going to talk about it like I was talking to you and Isabel about it. This rocked me. This gave me like the serotonin I needed to get through the weekend. To watch you process it in real time was a gift. (laughs) I didn't know what to do with myself. 
I I didn't either. Like, I mean, you were another level. Like you, I really thought I was going to have to sedate you at one point because you were really (laughs) going crazy about this. I will say for me, I did not realize the extent to which I needed to see a red carpet debut from them. I thought that between the yacht pictures and the Jenny from the block video kind of recreation shot, seeing them around LA, like I thought I had gotten the content that I needed to really be so on board with this and think they are such a gorgeous couple and fully immerse myself in the nostalgia of it. When I saw them on a red carpet, their first red carpet since 2003, almost like exactly to the day that they broke off their engagement, to me, it was just another level. It was something that I hadn't experienced with them yet, and I didn't think that was possible. It was like you were watching royalty on the carpet. And you know the best part about it? The entire internet reacted in the same way. Even people who hate them as a couple, who think it's so performative, who cannot get on board, who think that Jayla was the most self-obsessed person in the world, they still could recognize the magnitude of this moment. It felt, I'm sorry, in the world of celebrity shit, it felt historic to me. I really feel that way. Like, I, I kept comparing it when we were talking to the video of Jen Aniston and Brad Pitt backstage at the SAG Awards, which we later found out was nothing once you see the full clip. But those few seconds, like the internet was really up in arms and it was, it was exhilarating. This to me topped that because you didn't have to speculate as to what was going on. They were kissing. They were back together. They are confirmed back together and they were making this debut in such a regal, classic way. Like, Honestly, it wouldn't have mattered if we didn't like her dress, but the fact that her dress was so objectively gorgeous also just played into like recognizing how momentous of an occasion this was. I couldn't agree more. And I think that one of the huge pieces of this that was definitely one of the main conversations that took place, at least on Twitter, was there was so much conversation pre-JLo about Ben Affleck, the way he carried himself, the... like almost the point where it became a joke he was a meme like there and I mean that in a very funny almost positive way but he wasn't the Ben Affleck that you're seeing now he carried himself very differently like almost in a way where you looked at Ben Affleck and you're like oh he looks kind of sad and to see him now with J-Lo looking insane and so handsome and so put together and so belonging with her and Twitter lost their minds from that because it's only been about a year since Ben was kind of the meme of Twitter, the pictures of him going on walks with Ana de Armas, smoking cigarettes under his mask. Like you saw a different transformed Ben Affleck on this night. Oh, it it was like really remarkable. I I just, I don't know. It it felt like he got, you know what it felt like? You know how um, if you get ever like a, a vitamin IV and you just look so recharged like immediately after, that was him on like a grand scale. It looked like this motherfucker just got so many vitamin IVs. That's how I felt. He was glowing. He was so happy. He was so proud for her to be standing there next to him. And to me, it was like, yes, this is the Ben Affleck that we know. This is the Ben Affleck where if I looked at him and I didn't know about the back tattoo, I would never know. Whereas before, and I try to say this lovingly, I don't mean to sound judgmental. If somebody told me about the back tattoo, I probably would believe it. Whereas now, if I didn't know and you told me about this back tattoo, I would tell you there was no fucking way. Ben Affleck's back tattoo is the third character in all of this. It's like New York being the third character of Fashion Week. Exactly. Yeah. I have to say also, on top of all of this, he looked so good. They looked so good together. It was such a goddamn moment. The best part of seeing them together was that one five-second clip where where they're at the airport and a fan kind of runs up on them and tries to get 
a selfie with JLo and Ben Affleck so calmly steps in front of her and just puts his hand up and pushes this man away. No security. It was just like the, he was her protector in that moment. And he did it in such a calm, the hottest thing I maybe have ever seen. The hottest (laughs) video on the internet right now is Ben Affleck pushing that man away from JLo. No guys, we are putting this link in the description. When I tell you this is the epitome of the guess I'll come meme, like, you need a minute when you see this, the way that he, you're right. It was so calm. It wasn't like some machine gun Kelly shit. It was like just such a subtle acknowledgement of like, I will protect you in these moments. And the security came immediately after, but he was the first line of defense. And I just can't think of something more attractive than Ben Affleck being the first line of defense. Exactly. See, so I'm telling you, Julie, this is why him being like six, three just adds to it. It's a hot commodity to find, though. It's not as easy as you make it out to be. What to find the six three thing? Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah, it was just wild. It was like the it was the best thing ever. I don't I don't have anything really super intelligent to say. I just I just wish I could bottle me on Friday and throw it into you guys right now. But I really hope that other people felt that way, and I I think they do because we had posted something like I think Kim posted about them and we storied it and somebody responded to the story like who cares and we posted that DM obviously blocking the person's name out and we wrote like presumably anybody actively following a celebrity news account and when I tell you the amount of DMs that we received of people responding being like I care I don't even care about the shit and I care was all of the validation that I need overwhelming amount of care for yeah, sure overwhelming People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comms by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. In other news, Britney Spears is engaged after five years of dating Sam. He is 27, she's 39. They first met in 2016 on her music video for Slumber Party. And obviously, huge deal in general in terms of 
us. We posted this after Octavia Spencer commented, make him sign a prenup. He then responded to the comment with like the 100 emoji. And he made a story that said, thank you everyone who's concerned about the prenup. Of course, we're getting an ironclad prenup to protect my Jeep and shoe collection in case she dumps me one day. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I I thought it was funny too. I mean, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I can't get a read of this guy, so it's impossible to say, but she seems so happy and she's felt like this engagement was very long in the making. She said it. She had posted a, a picture of him and said, like, took him long enough or something like that, or it's way overdue. So I'm just happy for her. I think after the year she's had or the past couple of years she's had, all you could ever want is for Brittany to be happy. And if this makes her happy and all of, everything about her is protected and there's no sense of worry there, then I'm completely on board with this. Right. Exactly. I think that's the biggest question everybody has. And also he designed the ring with forever diamonds and they're apparently honoring the engagement by naming this particular setting, the Brittany, which in theory is like a very special thing. I just would hope that it's not some sort of like a brand deal, not because there's anything wrong with that. It would just feel like Britney Spears doesn't need to be engaged for a brand deal. That's like some bachelor shit. Yeah, of course. Although I will say if you're going to if we're going to say that potentially it was part of quote a brand deal or he got some sort of a deal on the ring in order to make it a Britney you could potentially make the argument of like he obviously is the one in the relationship that doesn't have as much money if he wants to give her a ring that he felt that she deserved he was going to figure out a way to do that i'm just i'm just saying on the flip side of that no and i appreciate the flip side argument and you're right i like I logically understand it. It's like, you want to get her something super special. And if this is the way to do it, like I get it. I'm not trying to knock it. It just, it will take me a moment to wrap my head around a potential Britney Spears brand deal engagement. If that's the case, I don't know if it is. Right. I'm, I completely agree with you. The one thing we want to mention about the VMAs is Megan Fox and Courtney introducing Machine Gun Kelly and Travis as their future baby daddies. This whole foursome situation and I use the word foursome with no sexual implication, although do without what you will after the photo that they posted. Like, it's just a lot to handle. And I know a lot of people, even those that like them, are really turned off by it because they find it to have crossed a line and now just be like a little grotesque and super vulgar. And if that's your opinion, I fully respect it. I guess I have more of like the Nikki Glaser approach in that comment that she left of like, isn't this what we want? Don't we just want a lot of entertainment and fun? And for me, it's like, I view this as full-blown entertainment and that's why I just celebrate it. Also, they're nothing but hot to me. I don't think we've ever had this sort of foursome of friendship and dating in Hollywood that I can think of off the top of my head. Like, obviously you've had friends that have dated and they've become like a group, but like this extent to where they're taking pictures, making out together, and they do all of these things together, and they introduce them as like our boys and saying our future baby daddies. And there's this sense of extreme camaraderie between Megan Fox and Courtney because they're just so in love and so proud of the people they're dating and vice versa. It's just, I don't know, to me, it's really, really crazy to see unfold before our eyes. And I'm nothing but on board with every single element of it. No, Julie, that's my stance too. It's just like, I, I think that we get a really good read on this because obviously people say they're pretty much unfiltered thoughts in our DMs. And when we posted Travis's photo of them like all making out in the bathroom in that photo shoot, the overwhelming response was people saying like, this is gross. There were some people that liked it, but the overwhelming response, and I know you could say, yeah, but the people that are like trolls kind of 
scream the loudest. They weren't necessarily trolls. It was just people that follow us giving their honest opinion, which again is totally valid. It just, I so don't view it like that. To me, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm just obsessed with it. I think everyone's a little prude for my likings. Maybe that's what it is. I, yeah. It takes a lot more than like an open tongue kiss to, to gross me out. Especially with them. They're just, both of them as a couple are so sexually charged and they just, everything they do shows that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, Megan Fox's red carpet interview where she's standing with Machine Gun Kelly and she's like, and he said, you're going to be naked tonight. And I said, whatever you want, daddy, whatever daddy says, like, are you kidding? When do we ever get that? Right. Like that's unheard of for an A-list couple, whether or not you are into that type of like dynamic power play stuff. Even if you're not into it at all, you can at least appreciate the kind of transparency because yeah, is is it a little bit performative for shock value? Absolutely. However, I think that's the exact conversation that went down when she was with her stylist. Absolutely. It's just, it's so good to me. It's so, I don't want to say unprecedented because I know we've had extremely sexual couples in Hollywood before. We've had, you know, Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton. We've had people who have just expressed that extreme sexuality in their art and the things they do. There's just something about them in this era that is, it's just crazy to watch unfold. That's all. And another thing that I really like, which is off topic from like the sexualness of it all and just in terms of Courtney and Megan's friendship and kind of them as a foursome. I think a lot of the times with the Kardashians, something that happens is when they have friends, no matter what, they're just automatically integrated into the family. Like, you know, Gigi, Haley, Fi, all of their friends kind of become family and it's a really beautiful thing to see. But I think something that's really special for Courtney in this case is like, this is her thing. This is not her thing to be shared with anybody else. This is something that she gets to do on her own, separate apart from the family. And I think she's been looking for that for a really long time. So to see her be able to have that, not only with Travis, but with Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox too, feels special to me. And it feels like something she has very much been seeking out in a way that maybe she didn't realize. Uh, Yes, I feel as though this whole, I don't, it's not Travis. Like I'm not giving Travis the credit at all, but this whole relationship and what that has sparked is like the resurgence of Kourtney Kardashian as, as somebody that is not just now seen in Kim's shadow. Not that she has been for a long time now, but it just feels different. I'm sorry. It just feels fucking different. Yeah, completely. Like typically she probably would have been presenting at the VMAs with a sister right? But now, no, now it's obvious that the go-to would be her and Megan because it just makes sense for their partners. Like that shift itself is a big deal, I think. I think so too. And I think there has been something with Courtney where, and not that I, not that I think the family holds her back, but I think that especially when it comes to Kim, Kendall, and Kylie, they're such powerhouses, especially as you've seen with the Met Gala. Those are the people that get invited. Chris gets invited. Chloe and Courtney aren't getting that invitation. And I think that for Courtney to try and make waves and be able to stand out on her own through Poosh and through something other than the association with Scott and the association with the family is something that she's really struggled with. And I think the reason she's been so able to come into her own and have such an extreme amount of confidence when she steps out and looks so amazing and glowing and sexual is because she's finally found a path that is just for her. 
Right. And like, how amazing is that? Like that, yes, a hundred percent. That is what she deserves. And you know, I know there's a lot of conversation about her. Like I saw somebody message us saying like, are you going to talk about Courtney changing her style and entire personality to fit her boyfriend? I don't think that's the case. I don't think she's changing her entire personality. I think her style has definitely changed a little and is far more similar to that of his, but I don't view that as a negative at all. I think that maybe that was always in her and he's just bringing it out. Or maybe she wants to experiment because she wants to see if she could be into something that is so cemented as part of his identity. Like, who knows? I don't think that's her, you know, uh, molding to his likings. I think that you can tell by her happiness, nothing that she's doing is for lack of wanting it herself. And sometimes that just happens. It's very similar to, you know, a lot of people that we see. Brad Pitt changed his look with every single person that he dated. Let Courtney do it with Travis. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, anything else you want to mention about anything? I think that's it, but I love this episode. I just had so much fun. These are the topics that I can only dream of. I have to tell you. I know. I just wanted to say that I was at the NYC Still Rising after 20 years uh, 9-11 comedy benefit on Sunday. It was at the Garden. And we were sitting like literally the row directly behind Pete Davidson's grandparents. And it was put on by him and Jon Stewart. And at the end, obviously, you know, they were celebrating Pete's dad and Jon Stewart and Dave Chappelle were just really making these beautiful kind of, it was just like a beautiful tribute to his father and obviously to how proud he would have been of Pete. And to literally be sitting next to his grandparents and watch them beaming, no matter who it was, the person didn't even need to be famous just to know that that was their grandparents. It was one of the most special things I have witnessed. That is so, so special. I'm so happy you were there to witness that. Oh, Julie, they were like, and it was his dad's parents. That's really unbelievable. It was really special. You know, his his grandpa was the one in King of Staten Island. Yeah, of course I know that. Yeah, yeah. So that was him. It was just, I don't know. It just, it was very heartwarming. I wish, obviously there were no phones, not that I would have taken a picture anyway, but I do wish I could have captured that because it would have, it was the kind of thing that like totally would have gone viral if you just saw the smile with which this man had and, and the grandma as well. Wow. Anything else you want to say? I think that's it. Okay. Well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back later this week for Kardashians and Bravo, which will include the Salt Lake City premiere. Holy shit. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning... There's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.